Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Dars highlights from September 15th, 2020 Major themes include inviting others to the path How to deal with moments of low himma, low spiritual aspiration Being unable to connect with the Qur'an Having bad thoughts about Allah Ta'ala Expressions of love for the Shaykh and standing by the side of the Sheikh and defending him during times when he's been slandered. And finally, the loss of Hajmimun. So, concerning wayfaring or suluk, a salik, a wayfarer, when he or she begins to invite others to the path, they must begin with their immediate family your mother, your father. These are the ones you teach first. Da'wah begins with your own mother, with your father, your sister, your brother, your son, and so on. These loved ones around you are the ones who are most worthy of being invited to the path. They're the ones you've lived with. Your spouse has served you or raises your children and has been by your side. She is most worthy of seeing God's light. And so are your parents. And the best charity that you can do in relation to the parents, the best infaq, the best thing you can offer them, is to bring them to the path. Because you can never fulfill the parents' dues. You can never compensate them for their sacrifices, except if you bring them to Nurullah. We ourselves first started with our own parents. The Sheikh speaks, he says, I called my own parents then my siblings and my wife and so on. And then when we brought the home together under the tariqah, then we turned outward. So be like your sheikh and follow in his tracks when you invite others to the path. Then there was a Tunisian faqira who said, sometimes I feel that I have a strong saintly aspiration, strong spiritual himma when I'm reading the books of Sufism, or books about the Prophet ﷺ, they inspire me. And my himma goes up and down in the weird. Some days I have strong himma, other days I don't. And there are some days when I don't even say the weird at all. What's the cause and how can I treat it? The Sheikh comments, The cause of your fluctuations is your distance from God, your low himma, and your laziness. That's the cause. You've given a covenant with your Lord. You've formally sworn allegiance to your Sheikh to fulfill your covenant, your Ahd. And that includes reciting the litany every day, saying the weird in the morning and at night, whether it's dry, whether you feel comfort, whether it nourishes you and fulfills you or not. If you draw something from the weird, if you don't draw from it, at least you fulfill your duty. Now, the spiritual traveler will go through moments of expansion and moments of constriction, bust and qabd. In your phases of expansion, which would last a few days, you must perform a lot of worship, do a lot of ibadah, if you still have yearning and shawq for God after the weird, stay up all night. Do that for a month or two. All of it is good. Stay up and push yourself as much as you can. 
then when your constriction, your qabd, comes and you begin to feel a certain dryness in your spiritual traveling, that's when you cling to the litany, to the awrad, to the mandatory acts of worship, the fara'id. But if in your bust, if in your spiritual expansion and moments of high aspiration, you do not exert the most effort you possibly can, then of course when the tide shifts and you experience a constriction, you're going to abandon the wird and you won't say it for a few days and you have to make it up. And we have outlined the extra or supererogatory devotions that the murid can recite beyond the wird. We insist on the importance of the ten cycles of prayer, ten rakahs, where you perform Suratul Ikhlas ten times per rakah. You can do it more if you wish. Do 100 Qulullah Ahads per cycle. 100 Suratul Ikhlas. The point is, exhaust yourself, or rather, strengthen yourself. Do one or two hours of istighfar. You have nothing to do the next day? Push as hard as you can. Then when you wake up and you're in bust, fast and tire yourself with a siyaha. Wander, roam the earth on top of that. Then when laziness overtakes you and you're in a state of constriction, you will not abandon your daily weird and at least you'll cling to what's mandatory and you'll cling to the basic rawatib the basic extra devotions that all Muslims do in addition to the weird and the prayers and so on. Because now you'll see those things as fard. You'll see them for what they are. For murid, those things are mandatory. And the nafila that you saw as nafila, you won't perform anymore. Now, we help you. Don't feel sad or embarrassed. It's good that you're expressing this honest fact about your soul. Then the faqira asks here about the fact that she relates more or feels more inspired when she reads books of Shama'il, the Prophet's virtues, والسلام, and that generates himma in her more than the Qur'an. Stories of the righteous saints inspire her. And you find these awliya fasting continuously, doing sawm al-wisal, wandering the earth, enduring trials, and increasing in faith. And of course, the Sheikh says, you want to follow these kinds of examples. But in the Quran and the Hadith, there's a certain weakness in our understanding, in our ability to analyze the scripture, and in, in our ability to really absorb the contents of the verses. And so we tend not to be moved by them as much. Let me tell you a story. There was once a murid who set out to look for a Sheikh. The murid enters into the province of a tribe where there is supposed to be a sheikh. And the people of that village tell him to stay away from that sheikh. They say, no, no, he's a liar, he's a charlatan, he's a sorcerer, and so on. You have a nice beard, you have white garments, mashallah, just stay away from him, you look like a good guy. The murid persists and decides at least to pay a visit to the sheikh. He tells himself, if the sheikh is upon the sunnah, if his actions conform to what pleases Allah Ta'ala, then I'll draw close. If not, I'll just go my way. So he enters into the sheikh Zawiya. He finds him reading Quran. He's too shy to say salams. He's too shy to interrupt, so he sits at the back of the Zawiya, 
just observing the sheikh's behavior. The sheikh himself doesn't notice. Three hours, four hours of Qur'an recitation pass by. And finally he folds the Qur'an. He looks up and he sees a murid in front of him. He sees this man who had come to visit. The murid hastens, comes quick to him, kisses the sheikh's hand. And the sheikh says, Salaamu Alaikum. And the murid inside his head, he's saying, it's impossible for the sheikh to be an innovator or a liar or a charlatan or sorcerer or something. Look how long he's been reciting the Qur'an, mashallah. Then the sheikh says, son, what country do you come from? The murid says, oh, I'm from Morocco. The sheikh says, mashallah, are you good at inshad? Are you good at chanting poems in praise of the Prophet, It's been a long time since I've heard any of these Moroccan nasheeds and nobody's visited me in so long. And the Moroccans are very good at chanting. The murid says, yes, as a matter of fact, I'm good at it. I'm a munshid, actually. So the sheikh says, son, can you sing something for me? So the murid begins to chant. And as he chants, the sheikh cries. And he weeps. And when the murid has finished all of the songs that he knows, the sheikh looks at him and says, you know everything that you heard about me when you came to this village? It's not a lie. It's actually true. I am a charlatan. I am a liar. The murid says, Astaghfirullah. Sheikh, how could that be? For hours you've been reciting the Quran. The sheikh says, Yes, for hours I've been reciting the Quran and I didn't shed a single tear. And now you sing a qasida, a beautiful poem, and my heart is moved and tears swell from my eyes. So as long as my himma, my spiritual aspiration, is moved by your chanting and not by the Qur'an, I must be a liar, a charlatan, and a hypocrite. And so it is. Then the sheikh comments, he says, The stories of the salihin, of the righteous, they yield a certain reverential fear of Allah. And yet, the Qur'an doesn't generate this. Because of your distance from your Lord and your dryness, and lack of understanding and inability to absorb the power of the divine word, And so you can take the words and stories and accounts of the righteous as your means to your Lord to draw your lower self out of its constriction, out of its tightness and into an expansive state of love of Allah. Shaykh Al-Alawi says, مَنْ لَمْ يَجِدْ فَلْيَتَوَاجَدْ Whoever can't find, in other words, whoever can't experience and find true ecstasy inwardly, let him just try to do that. Let him pretend or feign that state. Take these stories of the Salihin, the Shama'il, whatever moves you, take them as your mount, as your matiya, to move and to weep for your Lord. And eventually, with God's permission, this will begin to happen with the Holy Book as well. Then there was a faqir who said, Ya Sheikh, I feel like I have bad thoughts about Allah. How can I cultivate a presumption of good faith in Allah? The Shaykh says, Don't ponder God. That's from the Shaytan. The Shaytan will tell you eventually who created Allah. And you'll fall ill, you'll lose faith, or you'll lose the power of your faith. And you'll end up sitting in front of a shrink. What you have to do is ponder God's creation. Ponder a sign of God. Ponder his qualities, his attributes, his attribute of speech. Ponder the Qur'an. Ponder God's creation. Ponder a name of Allah. Reflect on it. This is why we say, Tafakkur, you're reflecting on the ha, the ha of ibsayyati, or divine selfhood of the divine name. 
you're pondering the foundations and innermost secrets of the hat. When we speak of the secrets, we're saying we're pondering the name, not the essence of Allah. Pondering the name of Allah yields knowledge of these attributes, the divine attributes. The essence, on the other hand, is not something that we have access to through discursive thought. The essence is what you just open up to. It's a harb. You recite and express the secrets that your shaykh imparts upon you when you have a disclosure of the essence. But you don't ponder it. The essence is for intimate converse. The attributes are for reflection. And the same woman spoke about her way of dressing and the shaykh says that he commented on this meaning of a woman as a awra. And he said it means that she's precious in the eyes of her Lord. She is like a lamp and her zujaja, her glass container, you might say, that protects her is her home, is the mahram. And so he, he tells the fakirat not to dress provocatively, to cover their hair, not to put on perfume, lest someone with an illness in their heart smells it and so on. And he also commented on marriage and says it, it's a provision from God. And your husband's name is written on the tablet, uh, the preserved tablet. And the hour you'll meet him is written as well. And people have this idea that you have to socialize and that's how you're going to meet your husband and get married. But those marriages end up usually with negative consequences and a sort of a bad dynamic internally. Then he spelt out a, a very Islamic, Sunnah, traditional approach to marriage whereby the, the two families meet and there's like initially a very discreet agreement between the families and then it's finally announced in public. And there was a question by a faqira who says that she sees the sheikh, she saw him kissing her on the cheek in her dream. The sheikh says, that's passing away, that's fana in the sheikh, drawing near with love. The sheikh says to her in the dream, you're going to die. And the sheikh says, yes, that's what the sheikh does. He takes you to your death, after which there is eternal subsistence, baqa. Then in this dream, after he kisses her on the cheek and says that she'll die, she sees Sheikh Al-Buti on her left, who's the Grand Mufti of Syria, who died several years ago. Someone who's not in the silsila, the Sheikh comments, he says, Ramadan Al-Buti is a remarkable scholar. We have enormous respect for him. He's not in our initiatic chain, in our nasab. He's on your left. And it's what it means when you have a sheikh and this man in your dream, the scholar, is that your heart is attached to something else. There's a good man. He loves the righteous. He speaks of wayfaring, of suluk. The sheikh says, I haven't read him personally, but I know that he has a commentary on the hikam. Personally, I prefer Ibn Ajiba's commentary on the aphorisms of Ibn Atala Sakandari because Ibn Ajiba is from our initiatic chain, from our silsila, and he's moreover a Darqawi and he follows the same spiritual method as we do and I've read him and he's very comprehensible, straightforward and can be understood. And uh, then in this dream, this woman says, uh, Ramadan al-Buti says Wednesday, Al-Arbi'a in Arabic, that's the fourth day of the week, the Sheikh says, God created the nur on Wednesday. If you pass away, as per the kiss on the cheek and the statement of the Sheikh where he says you'll die, if you pass away, then you'll be reborn on Arbi'a. So Arbi'a also denotes Fasl in the divine name. It's the uh, fourth uh, phase of the or level of the divine name, the Ha, 
of ipsaity, the lamb, al-ishq, lamb of love, then the lamb of gnosis, al-ma'rifah, and then fasl, the separation, the gap between the lamb and the alif. And so this arbi'ah denotes fasl, and it, it denotes also discovering the nur and creation of nur on Wednesday. And then in the dream, this faqira hears the shaykh says al-ahad, which means Sunday, or also the only God is the only, Al-Ahad versus the one, Al-Wahid. And so the Sheikh says, if you master the four letters of the name, Alif, Lam, Lam, Ha, and enter into this state of separation or non-qualification and have firm anchoring in the Nur, then all that remains is to enter into Ahadiyya, which is why the Sheikh says, Al-Ahad, Sunday, or the only, and you enter into God's exclusive oneness and you leave everything behind and you have to enter as one and that's represented in the days of the week by Sunday Al-Ahad then the Shaykh says in a different point he says the first pillar of Islam is Ashhad I bear witness, I directly witness and the murid who just waits for periods of beauty of Jamal, of expansion, of ease and stands by the Shaykh then and then when constriction and rigor and majesty comes and happens to the tariqah, he refuses to appear, refuses to stand by the sheikh, is not moven by what's happening, by the slander that the sheikh is uh, suffering and so on. This we do not call a murid. We don't call this kind of disciple a disciple. He's in fact just stumbling upon the path and he took something that's beyond his power. This bayad that he took is something that he doesn't have the ability to truly honor. He doesn't move, he doesn't act, doesn't exert any effort, doesn't show any service, doesn't sacrifice anything, doesn't move a finger uh, for the path, for the shaykh, for the tariqah, for the path of God. Murids are those who want to know Allah. And murids know that the shaykh is the bab to Allah, is the door to your Lord. And this kind of murid undergoes and experiences both Jamal and Jalal, beauty and rigor and majesty with the Shaykh. The Shaykh's moments of Jamal are his as well, his moments of Jalal are his as well. This kind of murid stands behind and is facing in the direction of the Imam. Then you have these other murids, so-called murids, who are waiting for secrets of the divine name, for the Asrar, but they're not observing the Shaykh's states, they're not following his deeds, they give no importance to what's said about him when he's slandered. They offer no testimonial online. They don't show their face. They don't offer a gift. And if they mention just once that they're in the Karkariya, they think they've pierced through the seven heavens. I'm proud of those who speak through audio-visual recordings and put themselves out there and speak of what they have experienced in the path. Just be sincere with yourself with your Lord, with your horizon, with the world around you, and be sincere in what you've seen. I'm not saying this for you to do a video now. I'm not waiting for you to do that. I'm just thanking those who were moved in their sincerity and offered something in this moment when the Sheikh has been slandered. Personally, the Sheikh doesn't consider this to be Jalal, majesty, or even a trial. These are just words. They're just slander. But the brethren around us, they share these videos and it lifts the spirits 
of the fuqara and gives me joy as well. And what's done is done. Then the Sheikh said, today was a sad day, September 15th, 2020. We lost a very beloved and senior faqir of the path. This Tuesday, Al-Hazmimun, may God have mercy on him. We loved him. He spent time with us. He gave us bay'ah. He called others to the path. He brought others to the path. He had sincere love for Nurullah. And he came to us when the Zawiya was just a garage with a small number of murids. That's when he came. And he used to walk every Friday to the Zawiya, coming early before the Asr prayer. And he would stay till the end of the gathering. And if he found someone to take him back by the by car, he would go back. If not, he would just stay till Saturday. We miss a murid of this level. This is the kind of murid that the sheikh misses and is proud of. He was a sheikh of his own zawiyah, presiding over his own tariqah, transmitting litanies of his own. He had the flag of his zawiyah, the Isawiyah tariqah, in his home. And he carried that flag, the banner, in his home he had it. And he left all of that out of sincerity for Nurullah. I never heard him complain, express any doubt, exhibit any lack of courtesy toward the sheikh or toward the murids. And this is from the moment I met him to the moment he returned to his Lord today when we buried him. Place yourself in the scales of a murid like this. He died at 106 years old. This man left his mark. He lived through the states of this tariqah and its different stages. The patched cloak that he wore was mine. It was one of the first ones that I myself had worn. He had attained three levels in readings of the divine name. And he understood them well. He excelled in them. And he took from them a flowing and an outpouring in his wayfaring. May God have mercy on him. May God forgive him. And we send him salams from this minbar, from this station where we stand. May his grave be a meadow of paradise. May he be engulfed by the lights of the beloved والسلام, May he drink from the celestial pond in the hereafter in the company of Ahlul Bayt. The heart is sad, the eyes shed tears, the tongue supplicates to its Lord. May he be a disclosure site of the divine essence. May his tongue bear witness to the oneness of God and to the prophethood and messengerhood of Al-Mustafa والسلام, the chosen one. He was a special breed, a special type of murid. Allahumma akrimhu hatta yanbahir bikaramik. O Allah, provide for him and bestow upon him and ennoble him until he is stunned by your generosity. To the point that he forgets the dunya and his own family and everything he left behind. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama sallaita ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala ali Sayyidina Ibrahim wa barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama barakta ala Sayyidina Ibrahim wa ala ali Sayyidina Ibrahim il alamin innaka hamidun majid